Welcome to the Envision Together, Going to Our Next Level of Best podcast. I'm your host, Pamela Mishana. Join me on this bi-weekly journey of empowerment, where you'll hear hands-on advice from lifestyle experts, educators, authors, spiritual leaders, and many more who will share tips on how to triumph personally, professionally, and spiritually. We explore timely topics such as overcoming anxiety and fear, educating the reluctant student, cultivating lasting relationships, and strengthening our faith. My hope is that the insights offered on the show will help us envision ourselves using our unique gifts and talents on greater levels for greater purposes. Hello, everyone. Today, I am so pleased to welcome Mr. Rob White, who is our guest today. And I just can't wait to hear what he's going to share with us. So, Rob, will you go ahead and tell us more about yourself? Well, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Of course. Well, a little bit about me. Uh, I was born in a small mill town in New England, on the wrong side of the tracks in that small mill town. A lot of alcohol, a lot of fighting, a lot of arguing. A lot of anger, a lot of fear. And from there, I at about age 13 or 14, I got that I was stuck in a conversation of survival. And I wasn't going anywhere. I was going to be there working in the mill, probably married twice, hating my first wife and my kids hating me, because that seemed to be the way things were going. At that point, I got it was possible to actually let go of who I was, the way I was being. I wasn't able to speak it like I'm saying now, but I had this feeling. So I started looking for other people to notice what they were like, teachers, their points of view, instead of just listening to them from my wise guy attitude, which I had. And I wasn't even so much interested in the subject matter as their demeanor. They were smiling a lot more than I was used to. Their physiology, they seemed to project a confidence I wasn't used to seeing where I was born. With that, I decided I had to get out of town, literally. And I went to the local state university, paid my way through the whole four years, no scholarships or anything, no student loans. I just made it happen. Mm -hmm. And when I was there again, I was introduced to new ways of being. So what I came to realize, human beings aren't fixed objects. We are myriad ways of being. When we were little children, infants, we know that. So that's why we take on walking and talking, reading and writing so early in life, because we get we can handle it. Right. And that's why when you ask a little kid, what do you want to do when you grow up? Oh, I'm going to be an, an astronaut. No, no, I'm going to be a fireman. There's nothing can stop them. Exactly. Well, what I also figured out that's very important to understand is During the twos, it's the terrible twos. It's really terrible for the kid more than the parents. You hear 60,000 no's from age two to to five. By then, you are. There's something wrong with me. You don't think it. You are that. It's not like you sit down at age five and think there's got to be something wrong with me. You don't have that kind of logic. What you do have is a feeling there's something wrong with me. I can't. How can anybody get hit with this many no's? I mean, I just pull the cat's tail and mom's yelling no. I stick my hand in the toilet bowl. She's yelling no. Now, I don't think, I think it's all about me. There's got to be something. Mm-hmm. Wrong. So you and I and everyone born 
comes from by age five, the maestro, which is that part of you capable of conducting your life in a way that would be magnificent. But mm-hmm. at age five, you've given life, I've given life to a new identity. I call it the intruder, the unwanted mental house guest. So I'm listening very carefully to you, and I love the way you're rolling this out. Now, I agree with you 100%. I always say that when we're born, we're born with an innate ability to learn, to thrive, talents, and gifts. And over the course of our life's experiences, we kind of unlearn what was natural. And then we have an epiphany at a certain point in life, and we're trying to get back to where we were in the beginning when we knew that we could. So I, I'm loving hearing the way you're unfolding this, and I think you're sharing it in a way that a lot of people will gravitate to. Well, thank you. And, I'm lo- and do please uh, interrupt if I get on a roll, because I love your, you knew you, the unlearning. Mm-hmm. I don't think we unlearn as much as we come from a whole different point of view and we forget. It's, uh, and so the problem is by age 11 or 12, I was a wise guy and I would steal out of stores and I would, I would uh, cheat and steal whatever I had to do because that's what I thought you did to get mm-hmm. through life. And when I finally caught on, there was another way of being that would give me a, a, another way of living which gives you a whole new world. See, what I found out is the world is a mirror, only reflecting back to me what I'm projecting outwardly. And when I'm projecting there's something wrong with me, I can promise you the world will show up with a thousand and one adversities, which I will interpret as, see, there's something wrong with me. Even this, when I I used my father's, he let me borrow his car at age 16, and I put it in the parking lot up around the corner, and someone hit the car, and I wasn't even in it. Here's what I thought. You know, there's something wrong with me. Anything I do, it's not my fault it happened, but why did it happen to me? That's that unlearning what you know that's absolutely wonderful and, and, and ambitious about you. I call the maestro. Mm -hmm. Uh, who is able to conduct your life wonderfully. When you give life to the intruder, by age five, you're convinced that this other self has taken you over. And when you go out into the world to school, you start acting in subtle ways as though there's something wrong with me. I'm the bad seed. In in essence, you're attracting it or it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because you start believing what you call the intruder. See, what I love about what you're getting, because you're good at what you do, is once the intruder gets a hold of your consciousness, it convinces you it is you. Mm. And the problem is it not only convinces you it's you, you go out in the world and convince the world it is you. So you're now getting feedback I'd hear people say to me, what's wrong with you? Well, there you go. Isn't that interesting? They and see it. So, so they got, even though I'm trying to hide it, they can see it. What I didn't get, of course, and you get is there's nothing wrong. But in fact, until I get rid of the wrong thinking, the yeah. world will always reflect back what I project outwardly. It's true. Yeah. So when I, I ended up, to make it a long story short on this, I ended up, Letting go of, I w- after I got out of college, I taught for 17 years. 
mm-hmm. in the city of Boston. And then when I finished teaching, uh, I decided after 17 years, I wanted to be a very successful entrepreneur. Did you teach English science? Were you in K through 12 or college? I was teaching math in middle school. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank so you. I had a dream that I wanted to be a millionaire. And I got after 17 years of teaching, I don't know of any teacher that teaches and becomes a millionaire. So I had myself, that's my parrot interrupting. Can you see him? Yes. I'm going to move him. Well, you know, I, we, I, here's what I love about life. Life is perfect. It really is. It unfolds perfectly. If you're willing to interpret everything correctly, it really is a beautiful life. Yes. Now, for, for example, now, even that doesn't embarrass me. It's my parrot. I've had him 37 years. Wow. He decided to get into the picture. But <laughs> even if we didn't cut it out, isn't that life? Life yes. always is having something get into the picture. Right. So it doesn't rattle me. Because I now get that life is never, see, the funny thing about life is there's no adversity, only possibility. The Mm -hmm. only reason you turn adversity into a problem is when you say this shouldn't be. But if you're willing to look at that same situation and say, wow, glory be, what's the possibility here? I'm here to learn something from this. There's your learning. You're relearning what you forgot about what the maestro that you naturally are. So as you know, as we continue to speak, my philosophy took me from being a school teacher, making back then uh, $40,000 a year, to wanting to be a millionaire. And I actually decided I am going to have to recreate myself anew. I'm going to have to be a new me. I'm How going did you to do have that? Well, you, I had to die of my old way of thinking. I had to let go of the best I can do is if you're coming from a mill town on the wrong side of the tracks is get myself a job where I have a good health plan and a good retirement. And so I had to let that thinking go. And that's where the intruder will get in and say, don't be a jerk. You're lucky you got a teaching job. Who do you think you are? But I can relate to you because honestly, the same belief in yourself that it took to become a school teacher is the same belief that it takes to become a millionaire. Oh, that's but beautiful. So yeah. many of us don't open ourselves up to that. And you're much further along than me, but I get you. <laughs> no, that's beautiful. You see, I love what you just said. I came to know I can handle it. Life is going to throw me a, a lot of challenges. When I take on a new career, I can handle it. It's mm-hmm. the same belief that took me from high school, a wise guy, to getting through college, to getting to teaching, teaching for 17 years. Now I want to be a millionaire. I can handle it is the belief that takes me as far as I want to go. Mm -hmm. And I went from becoming a big developer on the East and West Coast and making tens of millions of dollars, which I used to think was very important. By the way, once you have it, it gives you more of everything, but it doesn't give you more happiness, more self-satisfaction. It gives you comfort and it gives you a lot of discomfort because it magnifies your flaws. Mm. My God, now you've got to really pay attention to what you're doing because so many more people are looking at you. And what if they find out something's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Oh, God, that's where the you see. syndrome. 
the absolute imposter. You know, you saw it in, in Michael Jackson, such a genius, and yet the, never satisfied with himself because he always came from as a little child with a dad who was quite rough on him. There's something wrong with me. Here he became one of the most incredible. Here's something you want to understand. The harder you work to overcome there's something wrong with me. No matter how successful you become, it reinforces there's something wrong with me. Mm. Until you let go of there's something wrong with me. See, there are many people, and given I've made a lot of money and met a lot of very famous, powerful, and rich people who are always concerned with how they look, no matter how famous, powerful, (laughs) rich they are. Look at our last president. I don't have to go any further than that to take a look at Here's well, a fellow. I'm going to stop you there. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to pick on you. You are so funny. But you know what? I love the direction you're taking the conversation. And it leads me to, because I'm just eager to hear again. And I want to make sure that my audience hear the story you told me the other day. Will you please tell us about that experience you had in Vegas? So coming from there, something wrong with me. I started getting bald fairly early in life, like 35. And, and so you look great I, bald. I don't know why you ever had problems with it. Well, when when you're coming from something's wrong with me, then you have every Thank excuse you. to yes. think you're So I spent a lot of my time not being bald. Mm. By that, I mean, I joined hair club for men. I went there. I bought the most expensive wig. Went every three months to have it re-secured and tidied up. And of course, I couldn't go in convertibles or on on boats (laughs) stand in the wind. So I was very much caught up in my full head of fake hair. But do you listen to what you just said? All of those things that you just said, it makes you have to be ever conscious of it. You could never be free from the thought. It was work to maintain this hair. I was in prison. I I was in prison. A prison of my own making. Mm-hmm. Spending a lifetime not being bald is an awful life, no matter what else you're doing in life to be successful. So people had heard about my successes. Century 21 actually hired me to do a big convention they had in Vegas. And the one thing I want you to get up front, I was very vain, egocentric back then. Something else you do when you're coming from something's wrong with me is do everything you can to prove there's nothing wrong. You become shallow. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, of course, I took the gig and there were thousands in the audience and they had big screens so everybody could see me. And I was doing a board breaking exercise for somebody up on stage that it was to demonstrate with focus and concentration and passion. Anybody can break through the board. So I took a very unlikely person and brought him up and I'm getting excited and letting him know what they have to do. And the big spotlights are on me and it's hot. And all of a sudden I move quickly and my wig falls off my head onto the stage floor. Oh, my everybody went quiet. I looked out at everybody. I looked down at the wig. I looked behind me and there was a big curtain behind me in the whole stage from left to right. And I knew there was a fire escape door and one behind there there has to be. That's only logical. So I immediately set I just dropped the microphone turned around and went to the curtain and got behind the curtain which, by the way, only went down on my knees so you could see my feet. Mm-hmm. And I went all the way to the right, no door, and it's quiet as can be. No one's making a sound. I go all the way to the left, no door, 
And I realized, oh my God. So I open the curtains again and I come back out to the stage and I come right up to the front of the stage. I picked up the microphone. I picked up the wig and I said, this is who I really am. Mm. And I got the biggest standing ovation. Everybody knows they're hiding something. And everybody forgave me in the instant because there was such love and compassion and understanding. The whole rest of the weekend was about, this is who I really am. Not about me, about everybody sharing with each other something about themselves they so feared if the world found out. That lesson to me, I had said to life, I want a standing ovation. Well, I did not want a standing ovation like that. But the lesson I learned, I never put the wig on again. I left it in Vegas and flew back to Boston. And humbleness, my arrogance, my conceitedness, my excessive self-concern immediately dropped away in compassion. When I met people I saw were nervous and feeling awkward, embarrassed, I tried so much to help them to feel comfortable. So, yeah, that's my wig story, if I may. Wow. So that's one of the greatest life lessons learned I've ever heard. In my life, you know, life will always hand you the right and perfect lesson if you're ready and it won't come the way you think. It wasn't the parting of the clouds and then this wise, gentle, I didn't meet Mother Teresa who took my hand and looked in my eyes and told me there's nothing wrong with you, Bobby. I had life show me how it was so. I had several thousand people stand up and give me the longest standing ovation because they got the courage it took for me just to finally say to the world, this is who I really am. And what I found out is nobody thought, oh my God, you're so ugly and all ran out. Nobody ran out. No one said, oh, bald, oh, heaven forbid, you never should have told us you're bald. Wow. I love it. You know what? Because I am going through a similar process right now in my life. When I started this podcast, I had all these voices in my mind about people, they may not like it or people might judge me and all this stuff. But, you know, the longer I do it, I just feel so free. It's like, it doesn't matter. This is me. This is my life, my journey. And and my calling. So, <laughs> well, I get that about you. I get it with your smile, the twinkle in your eyes, the way you listen, you listen intently, you contribute in a way that adds to what's being said. You know, if you were still coming from, oh my God, I hope they don't think I sound stupid, it would be difficult to share like this with you mm-hmm. because you would be awkward. I'd pick up the energy, my story would get disjointed and we'd both be struggling trying to get something done when we're both that's why I said to you on the phone a couple days ago let's let it roll because Mm -hmm. if we let it roll 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 your boat gently down the street (laughs) great I love all of your analogies and you know what even in doing this I get to meet wonderful fabulous people like you so it's life is it's more fun doing it this way (laughs) I was going to bring up COVID for a minute, if I may. Oh, go ahead. Mm -hmm. You see, during COVID, the pandemic, the problem isn't the pandemic COVID. It's the panic-demic in billions of human beings' minds who are coming from 
there's something wrong with me. I'm going to die. My mother's going to die. My best friend's going to die. I'm going to be crippled. Oh, my God. If we didn't panic, the panic demic is the inner world, our conversations with ourselves about ourselves. I'm convinced this pandemic would never get the grip on us that it has. Mm -hmm. The more we push at it, the harder it pushes back. And no matter how many vaccines we come up with, it's showing up with another variant. I don't think there's a thing on this planet that can overcome the incredible spirit of a human being. If they're willing to get, they can handle it. That's the big one. And our mindset. Yeah. And I love, again, the way you explain that because you're causing me to see things in a different way. One of which is when I heard you say pandemic, I never really focused on the panic part of it. Yeah. And again, it's almost like we're speaking it into existence. Yeah. We're going to we're going to panic. We're yeah. literally telling ourselves to panic just by that name. <laughs> you see, when I think when the doctors said to us, we hope this doesn't become a pandemic, we all said pandemic, freaked out. And we're the ones who gave room for it to become a pandemic. I, that's just my opinion, obviously not scientific, spiritual. But I find also that spirituality is practicality. You see, when I pray for things, I pray and get to a place where I know I can handle what's coming at me. Mm -hmm. It's the knowing I can handle. The prayer sets me up. But then I am thinking to myself, you know what? I can handle this. With, with God's help, there's no way this isn't going to work out for me. It's that part. So you see, spirituality and practicality work hand in hand. Oh, I, I believe so. I even believe the scriptures say um, faith without works is dead. So it's the spiritual and the practical working together that's causing something to be. And that's true, whether it's something good or negative. You know, in a, a good dancer is a spiritual person. Now, here's what's interesting. The rhythm is the spiritual part. But a good dancer like Michael Jackson, it's the practice, the work he did mm -hmm. to perfect the moves. Mm -hmm. But it's the two. Without the rhythm, the practice is just mechanical. Mm -hmm. And without the practical, the rhythm is just ethereal. Mm -hmm. You put them together, you've got a Michael Jackson dancing. Yeah. And, I, and, and you and I, it's the same, isn't it? Yes, it you is. You get this completely, don't you? I love I that. I do. Yeah. We're feeding off of each other. We, we are like-minded. Yeah. <laughs> we may describe it a little bit differently, but we have the same understanding of how things work. Yeah. So I know that you, you liken a lot of things to how an athlete performs, an elite athlete. Yeah. Can you tell us more about what are some of the tools an elite athlete uses to minimize the intruder. So let's go back to that intruder voice that you talked about a little while ago. And so, how can the rest of us benefit from that knowledge? You see, the reason we love an elite athlete, Olympic athletes and professional athletes that are, are on their game, is we get there's two of them like there's two of us, and we get that they do not let the intruder take them down during moments when it's most important that they're up. That's what has us give them a standing ovation when they get that final hoop that just changes the game or, or that final touchdown pass uh, that they call a Hail Mary. It's because we innately know, maybe we didn't intellectually and surface mind think of it, that they have the same challenge we do in life constantly. You see, 
Don't think those who become expert athletes or expert musicians, don't think they get rid of the intruder. The intruder is always there, but they've learned to handle it. They hear its naysaying voice, but they pay it no mind. Mm. I eat Tom Brady, quarterback, 44 years old. Oh, my God, breaking lessons. Everybody, records, no one can believe it. I want you to get it. Three in the morning, he wakes up once in a while, and that intruder says to him, look it. You better call it a day. Come on. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to make a fool of yourself. Quit while you're ahead. And he doesn't listen. And we all know that. Mm -hmm. That we know it intuitively. And that's why when we see anybody do stuff like that, constantly, we give them these huge standing ovations and even bring tears to our eyes. Mm -hmm. Pavarotti, a great opera singer, one of the finest singers ever in the world, Mick Jagger, big rock star, huge, huge, got to sing with Pavarotti. Watch this now. Mick Jagger's behind behind the curtain. Pavarotti's out singing the intro. They, they have the, the camera on Mick Jagger. He's wringing his hands. Oh, no, no. I have no right going out there with him. Mm-hmm. See, there's his intruder. Even though he was Mick Jagger, even yeah. though he was been around and everyone had thought, oh, my God, what am I, a fool to go out there? But then you know what he did? He went, wait a minute. That's when he handled the intruder. I can take care of business. And he strut out there and he did his thing and the two of them were wonderful together. I want everyone to get, you never get rid of the intruder, Mm -hmm. but you could learn to handle it. Mm -hmm. It will be there, right? You were born two years later with the terrible twos you gave birth to it. It stays with you until you die. That's part of the gig of being a human being. If you let it run you, you have an awful life of hard work, struggle, and misery. If you get to handle it, you'll never get rid of it. But if you learn to handle you know how I do that? When it starts creeping up on me is what I do. I say, oh, you're good. I see you in there. I acknowledge it. Oh, you're very good. You got me feeling nervous and upset right now. See, by doing that, it's a pattern interrupt. It gives me space to breathe. And I also get, I own it. It doesn't own me. I own it. And I tell it, I wish I could tell it never to talk, but I tell it when to shut up, when it's time for it to shut up. And it still may go on with this naysaying voice, but I'm paying it no attention. Yeah. Love it. Good stuff, isn't it? Yes, it is. I'm really enjoying what you have to share. You know, we we said uh, before I started recording that we had a a hard time connecting, but man, I'm glad we pushed through it so that we can have this wonderful conversation. So you also talk about maestro voice and you touched on that a little bit earlier too, but how does the maestro voice interact with the intruder? So the maestro doesn't. See, the maestro, the reason I use maestro, my book is called The Maestro Monologue, where I explain all of this. Mm-hmm. I was born, when I say me, I mean you and every one of your listeners, everyone in the world. I was born the maestro. A maestro is a, is a, a symphony orchestra conductor, and they can conduct 120 different instruments and make a beautiful symphony. Well, when it comes to my life, I have that capacity to turn my life into a beautiful symphony. The thing is, the maestro will never intrude on what I choose to listen to. So it won't fight in my behalf because it's not a pusher. It's a natural talent. It's inherently beautiful. It's everything that poetry talks about. And it's not pushy. 
The intruder is pushy it, with its naysaying voice, its insistence, its doggedness. So in fact, the way you get to who you are that you forgot you are, the maestro, mm-hmm. is you have to handle the intruder and it naturally shows right back up, the maestro does. Mm-hmm. That, so that it, it's important to get when you're feeling very comfortable with yourself, that's the maestro. Right now, look at how much fun you're easy and not nervous about what we're talking about. You're right now speaking from the consciousness of the maestro, as am I. Mm-hmm. And when the intruder, when my parrot decided to get up and, and butt in, the intruder wanted to say, oh, God, why didn't you put him? I didn't let the intruder interfere. You see, mm-hmm. I thought, all right, well, that's my parrot. Can I put him away? You said, sure. That's why I'm not sure you don't leave that in there because it's a perfect interrupt to show you how even when life throws a surprise, you can handle it. Yes. Because you know what's so funny? And I don't know if it was your mindset that was just kind of contagious with me. Because I'm going to be honest, normally I would say, hmm, we got to cut that background noise out. But do you know that I kind of accepted that that was, it was okay? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, first of all, mingling minds. Right now, what you and I are experiencing is is a mingling of minds. Hmm. And when two minds mingle, the depth of knowledge you can reach is far, far greater than twofold. It's tenfold. Hmm. That's where you take it to deeper dimensions of understanding. That's what even now, what we may have intended to say, what was said in the unsaid is what's really valuable to your listeners, to me and to you. And what's so funny is I think when people listen, we're able to tune in and we will hear things according to what we need at that time. Perfect. Not necessarily everything that was said. We're saying things that's going to trigger thoughts in other people's mind. And it'll cause them to connect it and apply it to their lives. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's the speaking where what was said was in the unsaid. They say something beyond what we said that is perfect for them. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you're very good at this. You must have studied a lot. Maybe you read a lot of those books I see back there. Uh, (laughs) Maybe you Uh, read a lot. But for a young lady, I've got to say, you're very good at understanding how how the human mind works, how the human being works. Forget the mind. The human being works. Thank you. You know what? I think that some things are not just according to age and experience, although I think that adds a lot. I think it goes back to what you said. Some of us are born with a natural maestro towards certain things. Like we have different gifts and talents in different areas. And so I think some of us come here at birth with a, a greater understanding of maybe human nature and things like that. And I, we are both teachers. That's probably at play too. And I don't think teaching is even just necessarily something you study in a profession that you do. You can, I believe you can have a gift to teach and you can give expression to that through profession. But I think you can be a teacher, whether you ever formalize that role or not. Well, you know, I consider, and I'm not, I'm not going religious on you, Jesus, the greatest teacher that ever walked. I mean, yeah. he just, well, I know. He no, we, we agree there. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> There's no doubt he was a great healer, but his greatest gift to humanity was to teach. And you know what he taught? Just him. He was just himself. He taught to be yourself. Love you. And by the way, love yourself because I can't love you if I don't love myself. I'm too busy trying to impress you. It's so true. Yeah. We yeah. can't. So when he says love your neighbor as yourself, part of the problem in the world today is people don't love themselves. So you don't love other people. And that's, we're seeing the result of that. But when you're healthy and healed and you love yourself, you actually have something to give others. Oh, that's beautiful. You know, when I hated myself when I was a young kid, uh, 12, 14, 13, I hated everybody. I'd find something to hate in everyone. Matter of fact, my hobby was to meet you and look to see what I hated about you. I really thought that's what you were supposed to do. And then when I started to like myself, I started noticing things I liked. And now that I love myself, and not egocentrically, woo, woo, look at me, I'm not talking. Mm -hmm. I actually find something to love in everyone. Even if it's someone who's all up angry and nasty and yelling, there's something there I can find to love about them. What a gift to me. Here's the amazing thing. It's a gift to them, but what a gift I give myself. And you know what? I believe too, that some of that is born from empathy and compassion. When you see people who do terrible things, I always say to myself, what must have happened in that person's life that brought them to that? Because I don't believe we just come here deciding to be terrible. I think that a set of circumstances, and if you don't deal with the intruder and all the things that you've been sharing in this conversation, it sets you up to live beneath yourself. You're not even being yourself. The true self is confident, is healthy, does want to love. Boy, I'm loving this conversation more and more. You know, there's two selves and that's what you're you're getting to. There's the authentic you that is loving and kind and gentle. And then there's the other you that's so defensive because it comes from there's something wrong with me, which is a lie. So there are two selves. A sense of lack even. I think what brings out the worst in others is their fear of not having enough, not having what they need. And when you react according to fear, there is actually no limit of what you might do. If you have children and your children are in danger and you fear my kids are not going to have enough, that'll persuade people to steal, to, to rob, to kill, to whatever. But when we realize that there is enough and there is a way, you settle all of that intruder stuff that's causing you to react similar to like what we said about the pandemic. Well, you know, that's beautiful what you just said right there. And I think where you wrapped it around back to COVID, if we would just settle and relax and know we can handle it, you know, we can handle this. Yes, get your shots and eat right and wear masks and distance. And let's calm down, not panic. I suspect we'd find miraculously, my God, this uh, fewer and fewer people are getting COVID. I believe in the power of the human heart, not the human mind. That thing, that thing can get us in a lot of trouble thinking. Yeah. <laughs> but the heart, if you come from, you know what, life is beautiful, I'm beautiful, everyone's beautiful, we can handle this together. Yeah. Uh, we can handle this together. That's just what happens. By the way, you know, Mother Teresa, who 
in her deathbed, they said to her, you were such a gift you gave to so many people. Oh, my God, what a philanthropist. She said, hold on now. Let me tell you something. I did it because it made me feel good. It, see, she got, if it didn't make me feel good, I wouldn't have done it. Mm. That's so important to get that when I make you feel good because I show you the respect and the love th that you deserve, it makes me feel good. Typical. You yeah. can't lose. You can't lose. Yes. It's so true. Because I got to tell you, doing this podcast, when I hear from people who say that episode, was just for me. You recorded it for nobody wow. but me. Do you know how happy I feel? That is perfect. And, and I make sure that I get in touch with the guests that I had for that episode and let them know because I want them to share in the joy. Oh, that's a beauty. <laughs> Why do you give great examples? Thank you for that one. <laughs> so do you. There's another thing that you said the other day during our chat. You said life is ready to support you. Will you tell me more about what you mean by that? Well, you know, life is here to support us. I'll just say me and everybody should get them talking about them because it's easier to talk. Life loves me and it's here to support me. Mm -hmm. And I have found there are everyday, ordinary, unassuming gurus always coming my way to give me a tip. It can be an opening flower, uh, a rosebud that's just opening, and I look at it in that moment, I see its beauty. I see how wonderful contribution it is to my backyard to perhaps uh, a little girl who sees Shakespeare my parrot on my shoulder. And here's a story. Um, so uh, when she sees Shakespeare, she looked at Shakespeare and she looked up at her mother and she said, Mom, can you see what I see? And her mother said, yeah, I see a parrot. And she said, no, it's an angel. Oh, see? How nice. See how beautiful. That what is. a gift. That's an everyday, ordinary, unassuming girl, a little girl who taught me everything's an angel if you see it with the right eyes. Mm. See? And so that's why I share Life is here to support us constantly. We have to fight like crazy to resist life from supporting us. And boy, we're pretty good at fighting like crazy. That's the intruder who mm -hmm. fights like crazy to prove there's something wrong with me. Here's something else you want to get. I am marvelously made and destined to win at whatever I set my mind to. Mm. And if I set my mind to losing, I will win at losing. You see, that's important to get. You are so powerful. If you want to prove you're right and there's something wrong with you, oh, you can set your mind to losing, okay? And guess what? You'll get to prove you're right. You'll win at proving there's something wrong with you, even though there isn't. Mm -hmm. That's a big one. See, life wants you to prove you're a budding flower, ever blossoming, more beautiful today than yesterday and will be tomorrow. Yeah. But if you want to claim that you're a rotting little rosebud falling off the vine, life will support <laughs> you with that. See, life will... That was so poetic, even though it was kind of a negative thing. <laughs> you spoke it like poetry and alliteration and all of that. Say that line again. <laughs> I couldn't say it again because I can't oh. see that came from the maestro. I couldn't say it again <laughs> if I wanted to. So what we want to remember, so most important, life is always here to support us with whatever we set our mind to. What we have to do is pay attention to what we set our mind to. 
most important conversation you ever have with yourself is a conversation about yourself with yourself in the world. Have it be a nice one, a glorious one. One one where you feel like you're a contribution, where you make a difference, where you really are an important part of all of it. And if you just live by that dictum, life will support you in a thousand ways to prove it. And, you know, you're making me think of something that I say years ago, I realized I am the greatest prophetic voice over my own life. Oh, that's beautiful. It's the same thing you just said. Now, let's give our listeners a couple of points about how they can identify and deal with the intruder early in life. Well, you see, your body will never uh, lie to you. Whenever you have a knot in your stomach, do know the intruder has just set up camp in your mind and is taking over your conversation. Hmm. Whenever you're finding yourself tense, angry, upset, if you catch that's your body telling you you've just been invaded by the intruder. When your body is, when my body, let's talk about me and everyone can relate. When I'm feeling fully relaxed, I absolutely get that the maestro is who I am. Here's what happens when I... And I'm in a traffic jam and I start to tense up and I clench the steering wheel. I know right there, my body's giving me a tip. The maestro is sneaking in on you right now, showing you all the things that are wrong with what's happening right now. And in that moment, I say, oh, you're good. You're good. So how do you awareness is so important if you're going to stay atop of the maestro? Because once he gets in there, it really gets a hold of you. The intruder. Thank you. Mm-hmm. If you're going to get a handle on the intruder, it's best you catch him early because when the dragon is a big fire eating dragon and he's got you angry and, and resentful, it takes a lot more work yeah. to, to handle him at that point and invite your natural state of being, the maestro, to once again conduct your life in a way that is a beautiful symphony. Yeah. I love it. So... You mentioned also in a previous conversation, a a person never looks as good when they're trying to. A person looks good when they're not trying to. Tell us more. Well, I have found that when you're trying to look good, you're reinforcing, I don't look good. You see, whenever you work hard to compensate for I'm inferior, inadequate, unworthy, you reinforce I'm inferior, inadequate, or unworthy, and everyone else there picks that up. They just pick that energy up. You have to come from that, come from I am the maestro, which is what I choose to call it, Mm -hmm. or I some will say I am God in a bod, forgetting I am that. Uh, and we and we don't mean that means you're in charge of the world of the universe, right. but you're, <laughs> you're in charge of your world. Yeah. So I have found the harder I worked to do good, to compensate for being inadequate, the more I felt inadequate. I had to be willing to let go of I'm inadequate. Now, how do you let go of it? Here's what I do. It's very bizarre. Hmm. Okay. I'm not very good at what I'm going to try to do next. Let's say it's, um, let's say I'm going on, I'm not good at basketball. Let's say I decide to go out. I'm not very good at playing basketball, but I'm going to play basketball the best I can coming from, I'm not very good at it. That relaxes me. 
and I'm much better at it. And even if I mess up, nobody cares. Mm -hmm. But if I go on that court from I got to do good, oh, my God, if they see how bad I am, even if I do good, it's going to be nervousness and tenseness and agitation, and everyone's going to get that. The best way to be awful at something, this is going to not make sense to you until it does make sense to you, is to be awful at it. Accept it. Play chess when I first play knowing I'm awful at chess. Mm -hmm. And when you play it knowing you're awful at it, you get to learn a lot about how to be good. But if you play it like I'm good so that I won't look awful, every mistake you make, oh, and you're all tense and now you want to quit. You knock all the pieces off the board and the person playing with you wishes they never even played. All they were trying to do is have a nice game. By the way, this is a story of me in my 20s. Yeah. You know what, though? It makes sense to me right now. I always say that you have to give yourself space to fail. It's okay. Once you understand that failing is part of the process of success, it's like, okay, let me go ahead and fall so I can get to success. (laughs) And it takes the pressure off. I don't have to be perfect. Accepting that we don't have to be perfect. Just get started and be authentic and be yourself and don't overthink. And if you make mistakes, still love yourself. It's okay. You don't have to be perfect. And some things you're going to do incredibly brilliantly and some things you're not going to do so well. And it's okay. <laughs> well, you know, you said that beautifully. In my book, The Maestro Monologue, I talk about mistakes. M-I-S-S dash takes. I love that. So a mistake is a mistake. What you're supposed to do is learn from it, refine what you're doing. That's a retake. Mm -hmm. And when you succeed, pick up the megaphone like a Hollywood producer and say, that's a take. Mm, I love it. (laughs) Mistake, retake, that's a take. What a great plug for the book. Well, thank you. And so- conversation and a few nuggets that you've been dropping and relating it to the book. I hope people are so inspired to go out there and get it. Well, thank you very much. And I really loved this conversation with you. You're a pleasant, pleasant person. Everyone loves to to chat with a pleasant person. Thank you for that. Thank you. And the feeling is mutual. So I do have one or two more things I want to ask you. So there's a question that I ask every guest before we conclude, and it's which one final gem can you leave with our audience today? And it would be the single most important idea shared, or maybe you haven't shared it yet, but you want the audience to remember this if nothing else. I would love all of you to remember that you are marvelously made and destined to win whatever you set your mind to. And that's, I think, so you're marvelously made. Please, please, please let no one ever convince you you're not. That's most important for me to convey. That's a great gift. And it will certainly help people go to their next level of best if they just embrace those words. We are marvelously made. I am marvelously made. You are marvelously made. And there's room for us all to be marvelous. That's perfect. When we get into that competing and thinking, if I'm marvelous, then that's somehow taken away from somebody else. No, we all get to be marvelous. That's beautiful. (laughs) Share any information that you would like to share about how my audience might get in touch with you, buy your book, chat with you somehow. So. 
My website is robwhitemedia.com, which you can, I'd love to have your audience come over, take a look what I offer. Very interesting stuff. Plus on that, I have folks ask me questions and I answer them about their lives. Mm. They earnestly will ask a question where they're feeling stuck, Mm. which is all it's about. You're stuck. That's all it is. It's nothing more than you're stuck. Two men look from prison bars, one sees mud, the other stars. Uh, My job is to help you to look up from the mud. Oh, my God, look at the stars. Uh, They're always up there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you can also buy my book, The Maestro Monologue, which goes into all of this in a a lovely way, in my opinion, at Mm -hmm. Amazon Books, Barnes & Noble, or at my website, robwhitemedia.com. Thank you very much. Wonderful. And I have to ask you one last thing. I know I told you last question already, but this just came to me. How did you know that you should share this to help other people? I'm going to say about five years ago, I got up one day and I had worked like crazy to to make a lot of money and and, and be famous in my own little world. And and, and I got that true self-satisfaction was when I gave. And I don't mean just giving money to charity, which I love to do, but gave of myself. Mm-hmm. And I got, otherwise it was gratification, which is ego fulfillment. Satisfaction is very deep. It's way inside. It's something where you really get your value. Mm-hmm. And I finally wanted to get it that I really am a contribution to the world. I am marvelously made and I'm a contribution. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started truly giving And I love the feeling of self-satisfaction. It's a very rare feeling. Gratification is when you win the race and everybody is cheering and you got the trophy. Oh, it's gratifying. Satisfaction is when you just get up in the morning and you love who just got up in the morning with you. The maestro. This has been a brilliant conversation. It's certainly one of my favorites. I know that already. And I agree with you. We had wonderful energy together playing off of each other and and what each other brings to the table. And they will understand that they too are marvelously made. Thanks so much, Mr. Rob White. It is my honor. Thank you. Blessings. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Well, friends. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Envision Together Going to Our Next Level of Best podcast. I hope today's topic inspired you to envision a brighter future getting to your next level of best and to urge others to reach theirs as well. If you are encouraged by today's episode, subscribe and share it with your family and friends. Also, please write a review. It will help me to reach a wider audience with a message of hope and inspiration. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and share your thoughts about today's episode. Until next time, envision the future you want to see.